Our sermon passage this morning is Ephesians chapter 1. Really, it's only verse 4, but I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. The 4 is going, going to be our focus. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. If you remember two weeks ago, uh, we've introduced the book of Ephesians, and two weeks ago we kind of started into it. Last week I was away for the Labor Day retreat, uh, but as we started into it, we used this image of the big bucket at uh, Great Wolf Lodge pouring water over people standing beneath it. And we said that's what Paul was getting ready to do. He was about to pour a bucket of God's blessings over those reading this passage. And so as you read the verses that follow here, you're just standing under this outpouring of truth about what God has done for you if you are in Christ. So if you are a Christian, if you are one who trusts in Jesus as your Savior and follows Jesus as your Lord, you are a recipient of spiritual blessings beyond imagination that often you probably don't ever think about. But we're going to think about those blessings now as we study this passage. Uh, we're going to sort of slow motion everything down, and instead of just taking in this whole chunk uh, in one big sermon, we're going to slow it down and just take our time and look at each drop coming down of God's blessings toward us through Jesus Christ. And uh, my hope is that we will receive these blessings afresh, receive it as if for the first time, and we'll rejoice in it, and that will give us great joy uh, because there's so much for us to rejoice in as Christians, and that we will renew our determination to live in light of the truth of these things God has done for us. So these are things God has done for you. So this isn't a you-need-to-do kind of sermon. This is a God-has-already-done kind of sermon. And these sermons are important because often we, in our uh, heavily distracted, busy lives, will just miss this stuff. We'll just miss it, and we'll live years of our Christian lives not even knowing some of the blessings that he has given us through Jesus Christ, or having heard it once and forgotten it. And so we live our days as if it's not true, and we don't have to live like that. We have so many blessings to rejoice in and live in light of. And so we're going to just look at one this morning found in verse 4. But let's read verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And we'll stop right there, even though the, the verse it has in love, uh, I just put dot, 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 uh, just so you know, that really starts the next thought. So we're just going to focus on verse 4 here. And the blessing I want you to fix your mind on is the fact that if you are a Christian, God chose you. God chose you. That means just what it sounds like it means. He selected you. He picked you out. He chose you. Just like he chose Abram and turned him into the nation Israel, and just like Jesus chose the 12 disciples, if you are a Christian, you are a Christian because God chose you. Now, I don't know if you ever think about it in those terms, but the Bible definitely talks in those terms. It does right here. So get your, your story in mind, your testimony. How did you become a Christian? Now, again, I never assume that everybody in the building is a Christian. It's possible to go to church for decades 
and like Jesus, but never give your life over to him and become a Christian dedicated uh, in faith and service to him. But if you are a Christian, think back to how you became a Christian. We all have a story of circumstances and people that God used to bring about that faith and allegiance to Jesus. Get your story in mind. I've told you uh, my story before in the past, and I'll just briefly remind you of it. Uh, I grew up going to church just from as early as I can remember, and when I was eight years old, I can remember standing in our backyard. We have a rock wall thing back there that my dad built, and I was standing behind that doing whatever an eight-year-old kid out in the country with no electronics or entertainment of any sort would be doing. I don't remember. I was just out there. I don't remember the train of thought that led to it, but somehow things clicked into place in my mind and in my heart to where I, in that eight-year-old capacity, knew that my life was supposed to be about Jesus from here on forward. That was all I really understood at that point. And then mom talked with me and worked with me and helped me understand the good news. And I met with the pastor, and he became satisfied that at eight years old, I understood enough, and he baptized me. And I still point back to that as when I was saved and became a Christian. Now, that little little scrawny Matt Broadway, I was a scrawny little kid, like white blonde hair, like maybe this tall at eight years old, standing in the backyard, thinking, realizing that I was supposed to live for Jesus as much as an eight-year-old can understand that. Did I, at that moment, choose him, or was he choosing me? Well, You could argue both ways. Clearly, we have a decision to make when it comes to becoming a Christian, and that decision is meaningful. We're not robotic. Clearly, we do have free will. That's uh, an inescapable truth of Scripture. But also, and perhaps even more fundamentally emphasized in Scripture, God makes the choice. God chose me. Had he not chosen me, I would not have chosen him. We are too tangled up in our sin. We are too messed up from our sin to choose him without him first choosing us. And so the scripture definitely teaches, even if we can't understand it, if you are a Christian, it is because first and foremost, not that you chose him, but that he chose you. He chose you. He selected you. He picked you out. That's one reason why when people get baptized, I don't like to say or hear people say, I'm so proud of you, because that gives the person who got baptized way too much credit. I think better and more theologically faithful would be to say, I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done for you. I'm so grateful that he chose you. I'm so grateful that he saved you. Now, there's a lot to think about just in this one blessing, this chosenness aspect of being a Christian. Our verse gives us three facets of this chosenness that we'll look at one by one and just receive it, just embrace it, just know that these things are true and rejoice in it. So he chose us, verse 4 says, as he chose us in him. That's the first facet I want to point out. He chose us in him, in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. That's where the chosenness happens. I'm going to use an illustration now, and I hope I don't mess it up. It's an illustration I heard a different, another pastor use. I don't remember who it was, so I can't properly give credit, but this is absolute plagiarism happening right now, but uh, I'm being upfront about it. 
Imagine you're in an airplane. Okay, you've boarded your plane. You're about to fly across country. All right, so you're cramped. You're in your cramped little seat, and uh, everybody's settled in, and the stewardess has given the instructions, and uh, the plane's starting to to rumble and, and move down the runway and pick up speed. And so in your ears, you're hearing the, the increase in volume of the engines and, and things are starting to rattle and shake. And uh, if, if you're like me, you're starting to get that feeling of, and I hope this pilot knows what he's doing. And, and you start to feel that, that, uh, that pressure pull you, force you down in your seat as it starts to take off. And as it does, you realize you're not just hearing the creaks and, and cracks of the plane rattling and you're not just hearing the engine, you're hearing the person behind you making all kinds of commotion. And so you kind of turn around and see the person behind you is flapping his arms as hard as he can. And as the plane starts to get into the air, it's even harder, 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 harder. And finally, the plane reaches the cruising altitude, and the guy starts to relax, but he's still, he's kind of pretending he's like gliding a little bit and still flapping. And you turn around and say, sir, I'm sorry, I have to ask, what on earth are you doing? He's like, man, I'm flying. What are you talking about? And you say to him, you do, not, you do not need to do that. You are in the plane, and the plane is flying. You just sit here and be in the plane. Now, that's a silly little illustration, but it captures pretty well this notion of being in Christ. All of these blessings, including this chosenness, are because we are in Christ. So Christianity isn't a life of of arm-flapping effort to try to earn God's choosing of us or God's blessings. It is a relaxing in the fact that we are in Christ, and he has earned it all for us. He has done it all. He lived the perfectly sinless life. He died on the cross in our place in payment for our sins. He arose from the grave. When you become a Christian, you remember I talked about all that covenant theological stuff, that you're either in Adam with him as your covenant head or you're in Christ with him as your covenant head. Uh, If you don't remember all that, I'm not going to go back into it all now. I think you can listen to the sermon from two weeks ago. Um, But as a Christian, just remember that all that God has given you, he has given to you because you are in Christ, not because of your religious performance, not because of your moral performance. If it was based on that, You wouldn't make it. Any more than that guy could fly at that cruising altitude with his arms. This is such good news. This is, because if it were based on me, if my salvation, God's choosing of me were based on me and my performance, I would lose it every five minutes. Even right now as I'm preaching, I guarantee my heart is compromised by some sinful motive. I guarantee there's some touch of selfishness or pride or look at me or something, compromising even this very moment while I'm preaching to you. We we do not earn this. We cannot earn this. But God has given it to us in Christ. In Christ. This is why that evangelism explosion question that I've told you about over the years is so helpful. You know, I told you I went through this evangelism training when I was a teenager And then they sent us to random doors to go and evangelize, just cold evangelism, complete strangers. Terrifying. But we were armed with these two questions. I actually don't really remember the first question, but I remember the second one. 
Or maybe this was the first one. I don't know. I remember one of the questions. And I'll ask you. Now, this was a Baptist thing, so it's not going to be Advent Christian theologically. But if you were to die right now, brain aneurysm, the next thing you knew, you were face-to-face with God, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? It's such a good clarifying question. If you were to stand face-to-face with God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would your answer be? Now, I've, I've continued to use that as I've tried to understand where people are coming from in terms of Christianity. And even around here where people have been exposed to the gospel their whole lives, a lot of people will give answers that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ and everything to do with their arm flapping. You should let me into heaven because I try to be a good person. You should let me into heaven because I belong to a church. You should let me into heaven because I don't really have any enemies. I'm a pretty nice guy. The only answer is Jesus. You shouldn't let me into heaven except that I'm in Christ. I'm sheltered in him. That's the only place where worthiness comes from, in Christ. And in Christ, sheltered in him, that's where all the security is. That's where all the assurance of salvation is. I know many of you will question your salvation from time to time and feel insecure about it. And we all, that's natural, we all do that. But the more you learn to locate your chosenness and your blessings of salvation in Christ, the more secure you feel. Because you remember that it's not based on your day-to-day performance. Some of you guys may have had a really bad week. Some of you guys may have had a really bad morning. And you might not feel like a Christian at all right now. And you look back over your last 24 hours and think, well, I haven't behaved in a way that even resembles Christianity. Well, thankfully, the good news is it's based on Jesus. So the question isn't, how good have you been over the last 24 hours? It's, are you in Christ or not? Is that where your faith is in Christ? Is that where your allegiance is in Christ? So if you are a Christian, you have been chosen. You have been chosen in Christ. The second facet this verse gives us is that you have been chosen before the foundation of the world. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, this is pretty mind-boggling, and we're not going to be able to fully understand it, but we can try for a little bit. Before the foundation of the world. It means just what it sounds like it means, and it's a phrase used a lot throughout the Bible. And it's the Bible's way of, of saying forever, forever ago. So little scrawny eight-year-old Matt in the backyard, and you, wherever you were when you became a Christian, that was not the moment that God chose us. He didn't choose me to that moment in the backyard. He chose me before the foundation of the world. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You were not an impulse item at the checkout register for him. He, he is not going about his plan for eternity and then say, you know what? I'll grab, a, I'll grab a Mike Boston too while I'm at it. I'll save a Betty Ruth also. Your chosenness was part of his plan in his mind from eternity past. 
It was all there. It was all in place before he created anything. I can't even understand this, <laughs> much less preach it very well. But it's worth stopping and just pondering. Man, the, the unfathomable wisdom and power of God stretches long before 1982 when I was born, long before uh, whenever you guys were born, long before our grandparents were born, long before even the foundation of the earth itself. We were chosen. How do you pick out your clothes that you're going to wear? How do you pick out the outfit that you wore here today? I think I've told you that I have a system, a rotation-based system, and so I haven't picked out clothes in like 20 years. I just obey the system, and I wear what's next. How do you pick out that kind of stuff? How much in advance do you think about it? Most of you probably picked it out this morning in front of the closet right before you put it on. Some of you maybe thought it through last night so you wouldn't have to iron anything this morning or make sure stuff's clean, possibly. I doubt any of you put thought into it earlier than last night. That's probably the earliest. If you did, you probably put too much thought into your outfits. Now, those of you who are married, when did you pick out your wedding dress or your tuxedo? I'll bet that wasn't right before you headed out the door to the church. I bet that was far in advance, especially the wedding dress. The, the further in advance you plan something out, that indicates something of the importance and the purposefulness of that choice. God's selection of us is more like wedding dress selection than it is morning of what I'm going to wear to work, what I'm going to wear to Walmart today kind of selection. This was mapped out before the foundation of the world. He is not casual about this choice, this decision, to choose you. Now, this leads us to the third and final facet I want to point out. We, he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, so that we should be holy and blameless before him. There was a purpose to his choosing you. And this was part of the purpose, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The words, I think we pretty well understand. Holy, we understand, means sacred, set apart, consecrated unto the Lord. Blameless means exactly what it sounds like, without blame, without blemish, not blameworthy. That word holy is also the same word that's translated saints, which is used all through the book of Ephesians. And what's interesting, if you study these concepts through the Bible, and especially in the book of Ephesians, is that it's, it's not really used as an aspiration as much as a reality. He calls these Ephesian Christians saints right here and now. And we, as we receive this book, we are called saints. We are called holy. Now, of course, in practice, we are not living perfectly holy and blameless lives, and yet the Bible would refer to us, if we're in Christ, as holy and blameless. He saved us, he chose us for this purpose, to develop for Jesus a holy, blameless people, a church that he would present to Jesus like a bride presented to a groom. That's what we've been swept up in. That's what we've been chosen for. 
And what's so baffling about it is it's, it's not even just that we should become holy and blameless, it's that we actually are already holy and blameless in God's eyes. Think about it like when Jesus healed a lame man, a lame person, somebody who's, let's just say their legs hadn't worked for, from birth, and all they've ever known is crawling. And Jesus comes by and heals them. Well, even though that man, in his old nature, all he knows is how to crawl around, now in his new nature, he gets to learn how to walk on those feeble legs. He gets to build muscle on those legs and learn how to live according to this new reality. That's the Christian life. So in our pursuit of holiness and blamelessness, we're not earning anything. We're learning how to live in light of our new reality, our new nature. If you're a Christian, you've been made holy and blameless in God's eyes, in Christ. And now, like a lame man, we get to learn how to walk in that. We get to learn how to live according to that. So when we do something that's selfish or lazy or we uh, look at stuff we shouldn't on our phones or we overreact in anger to someone, we're living contrary to our new nature. We're like that healed, lame person crawling. We don't have to, that's not who we are anymore. Even if it's in our muscle memory, we just got to keep reminding ourselves that's not who we are anymore. We've got legs underneath us now. And so every time that you act in a way that's selfless, or work in a way that's diligent unto the Lord, or uh, turn away from impurity to pursue purity, or treat someone with Christ-like gentleness and love, you're living according to your new nature. That's who you really are. You're strengthening, strengthening those new muscles that you've been given. You're living according to your purpose and your destiny. Because that's what we've been swept up into. God's big program here, the reason he chose you, isn't for you to feel better, is to add you to this special people that he is developing, a holy, blameless people, in the end, that he's going to present to Jesus Christ like presenting a bride to a groom. That's our destiny as chosen ones. So, Christians, those trusting in Jesus as their Savior, following Jesus as their Lord, you are a Christian not because you chose him, but because he chose you. He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and blameless before him. What a, what a glorious thought. I mean, we can meditate on that all week long. I just encourage you to receive that afresh this morning. Just receive that truth. That is a blessing that is yours in Christ. Rejoice in it and all the security that that gives you, all the sense of purpose and destiny that that gives you. And let's renew our determination to live like it, to live in light of the fact that this is who we are because we've been chosen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for scooping up sinners like me and choosing us and putting us in Christ and giving us all these blessings. We, we have no idea how to live in light of all that you've done for us, but would you please teach us and expand our capacity to appreciate and rejoice in and rest in and live in light of what you've done for us. Let us live this week as your chosen ones, holy and blameless before you. In Jesus' name, amen.